And so uh, the only way to make a copy of the tape uh, was to take his boombox and press play and then take my boombox and put it up in front of his boombox and press the record play button at the same time. Do you remember that? And then turn his up real loud. And that's how we made uh, copies uh, of our tapes. And, and I remember one night I was laying in bed and uh, I was thinking about Cherie and I had, I had Chicago playing and I, I can even hear the words right now as of one of the songs. It was, if you see me walking by and the tears are in my eye, look away, baby, look away. If you see me on the street one day and I just don't know what to say, look away, baby, look away. I'm in the seventh grade. You know, what do I know about love? But it's perplexing watching, uh, watching ourselves fall in and out of love. You know, it's perplexing. Uh, there's things about this whole world that are perplexing. Uh, like, for instance, um, uh, have you ever been in a crowded building uh, like the one you're in today? And, and when you're walking out, uh, you look behind you and you see a lady that's coming out behind you and you want to be kind so you hold the door open. And then the next thing you know, you're still holding the door. People are still coming. And come, you've been holding the door now for 25 minutes and, and you just... Like, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. And then you pick somebody out. Like, okay, that person looks nice enough. That'll ta they'll take the door. <laughs> and then they just keep moving. And you're like, can anyone say thank you? Any, anyone here? And anyone here say thank you? It's like, you know, it's perplexing that that, that happens and we don't get enough thank yous. Uh, another thing that's perplexing, I have ADD. Don't pray for me. I like it. <laughs> it it means a deeper dimension for those of you that don't know what ADD means. When I think about holding a door, my brain starts going to all the doors in the world. Um, uh, elevator doors in particular is, is perplexing. Uh, have you ever been running up to an elevator? It's closing and you see the person in the elevator look at you and then pretend like they don't see you because... They don't want to stop the door. Has that ever happened? And then you run and you, you stop the door, you go in, and then I was like, it's like awkward, right? <laughs> you know they didn't want you in there. And it, it, you know, I, I like to do, I haven't actually done this, but I'm, I'm, I'm preparing my, my script because the next time that happens, I want to just kind of drop some bombs in the elevator just to see what they do. Kind of like, well, I've been on parole for four days now. <laughs> Boom. Or how about this one? Hey, you want to smell something funny? <laughs> you know, just to really freak them out. 
You know, there's just perplexing things. Like, you know, uh, when you go to the airport, uh, this is, this is a, another perplexing thought. And, and they have like this, this moving sidewalk for 20 yards. Do you know what I mean? And, and have you ever stared at that and just thought, why? Man, we're going to save a lot of, thank God this is here. I'm going to catch my plane. It takes some practice to get off that thing, doesn't it? You can just be, you don't realize you're running. It's just, it's perplexing. There's things in this life that's perplexing. At the top of the list, even though I've saved it for last, at the top of the list is how things are packaged nowadays. Have you ever tried to get into a CD, a brand new CD? I don't know how they wrap those things, but the government is involved. I mean, you need scissors to get into the CD. It's like gold is in there. But the trouble is, is you need scissors to get into a new pack of scissors. <laughs> that was like a grenade joke. You roll it out there and you just wait and it's like, <laughs> like batteries. How about that one? You ever try to get into a pack of batteries? You better have some time on your hands and band-aids. But then on the flip side, you go into, if you have a, a, a brand new set of light bulbs, <laughs> like it's held together by a light piece of car, cardboard and a prayer. You know, it's like, it's, it's perplexing that we're that careful about batteries, but not that careful about light bulbs. These are just the things that I think about. You know what I mean, Coach Joe? It just makes you just go, hmm. I, I just, I don't understand. But when I am in my car and my mind is wandering off like that, it really causes no harm at all, except for uh, the people around me on the same street. But uh, if I can make an obvious transition, it, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing when we're perplexed uh, about the things that are temporal um, and more importantly, the things that are eternal. It's, it's a scary thing when we prioritize the temporal over the eternal. You know, I want to say this, you are the Highlander. <laughs> You're going to live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And if Jesus Christ is not a part of your life. It is a very scary, scary thing. It's a very scary thing. Let me dive into these three thoughts real quick. Um, the, first, we're going to talk about the garden. In John chapter 17, verse 1, it reads like this. Jesus is in the garden, and just to refresh your memory, um, before, for, uh, 24 hours before Jesus hung on the cross, he was in the garden of Gethsemane, and he was crying uh, because he didn't want to go to the cross. He was weeping. Um, the Bible says that his weeping was so intense that blood vessels were literally popping, and blood was coming out of his brow like sweat. And this is what he says in John chapter 17, verse 1. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Everyone say, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. It's interesting when he says the hour has come. It's almost kind of like my life has been going pretty good 
But right now, the hour has come. This is intense. And some of us can, can relate to that. Have you had a season of your life where all of a sudden you say, I don't know who drew the short straw. Clearly it was me because the hour has come for me. The season that I'm in right now is so intense. The more intense the season, the less we talk about it. Isn't that the truth? You know, uh, if you come up to me and I, you say, hey, how are you doing? And the intensity of my season is a little bit difficult because I have a headache. I'll look at you and go, ha. Hey. Uh, how am I doing? Oh, I'm not doing so good. I got a headache. I'll be transparent about that level of, of intensity. But if my wife and I are having problems in our marriage, or if somebody's having financial trouble, and you say, hey, how are you doing? The response is, great. We like to cover up the intensity of the seasons. Jesus is saying, I'm in it right now. The hour has come, and I'm in it right now. And if it's okay with you to just allow my heart to follow the Holy Spirit a little bit, um, uh, I've, I've prepared very hard for this message, but you know, I just feel the Spirit of the Lord just wants me to just stop for a second and just tell somebody here, he knows that you're in the middle of your hour. He knows. You're not going through this season without him noticing. He knows and he sees it. And in that place between sleep and awake, when you're halfway asleep and you're halfway awake, or those times when you look at the clock and it's 11 o'clock and you look back at the clock and it's 2.30 and you ask yourself if you've slept and then you say, I'm sure I had to have slept. I just, I'm not sure. In those seasons, he hears your thoughts and he feels your soul. He feels it. He's all the way there. And then Jesus says this right afterwards. Not only does he say, my hour has come, but he backs up and he says, let me bring glory to you. Now, I connect to that because what he's saying is this. I don't want to go through this for nothing. <laughs> If I got to go through this, I want something good to come out of this. I want some type of purpose to be attached to this pain. I want some type of purpose. If my marriage is going to go through a hard time, then I want us to be stronger when we get out. I don't want to just do it just to do it. Does that make sense? If, you're, if you, those of you are in the room, you're going through a tough season, isn't, the, isn't it just a splash of comfort? To know that God is going to cause the end of this thing, this season, to be rewarding? Isn't that a splash of comfort? Now, obviously, we'd want to get out of the season right now, just walk right out of the garden. But doesn't it feel good to know that God's going to make sure that something good is going to come out of this? And that's what he says. And, you know, the, the thought crosses my mind uh, I don't know if any of you have ever seen one of these in person. Um, those of you with, uh, that are like me, you've either lost your hair or you, your, your color is not the same as it was when you were 18. Um, you're very familiar with these. Uh, they're lockets. And um, uh, the, the cool people um, would attach them to their button 
and uh, just kind of drop it into their pocket. Kind of like um, the theologians that were in the movie Tombstone. <laughs> you didn't know Doc Holliday was a, a theologian, did you? But uh, anyone who can look at you and say, I'm your Huckleberry, that's a theologian right there. But in the, if you don't know what Tombstone is, you may not go to heaven. Um, but a locket has a picture inside of it. And what I love about lockets versus just regular watches is every time you look at it, you see that person that you love. And for those of us who look at what time it is four or five times a day, six times a day, seven times a day, every time you would look at to see what time it is, you would see that person that you love. Jesus was the son of God. He could have walked out of that garden and went straight to heaven and never went to the cross. But I want you to know that he never, ever, ever, ever stopped looking at your face. The Bible says before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. So he's looking at your face while he's in the garden. Let me transition now to the cross. Let's read this scripture real quick, please. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what the Bible is saying here is that Jesus Christ had no sin. He never made a mistake. But what he did is God took all of our sins and put it all on him. So when you look at when, when, when God and Satan and the spiritual world was looking at Jesus on the cross, what was being seen is a liar hanging on the cross. He is an adulterer. He is a murderer. He is a covetous person. He became sin even though he had never sinned before. So think about all the things that you and I have done, all the mistakes. He becomes that person. Now this is what I love so much. Not only did he become sin, but he also paid the price for sin. Now, keep this in mind. Nobody does this. Nobody goes through that kind of pain unless they're, they have a reward. The Bible says that he endured the cross for the joy set before him. You were, listen to this, you were that joy. You were that joy. He endured it for the joy set before him in 1971, in 1956, in 1948. You were going to be born. That's the joy that's set before him that he's seeing before you're ever born. Now, keep this in mind. Not only did he endure the cross, but he paid for the sin. Now this is, now keep this in mind. Let me make a parallel between the justice system in the United States and the justice system in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God's justice system, the standards are way above ours. Way above ours. And if you look at our Bill of Rights and you look at the Fifth Amendment, 
particularly the bullet point or the line item about double jeopardy. You can not convict a person for the same crime twice. Let me give you an example. O.J. Simpson was in the stand. The judge pronounced him innocent. He walks out the door. If the attorneys that were trying to convict him huddled up together and say, oh my goodness, we forgot one piece of information. Bring him back in. You can't do that. According to the Fifth Amendment, you cannot bring a person back in to try them for the same crime. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was paying for your crime. So the crimes that you have committed, you're going to commit, and you've committed today, you cannot be tried for that crime because the payment has already taken place. Does that make sense? It's already happened. The only thing that you and I have to do is we have to be able to have the, 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 uh, the vision and the, the clarity of mind to not be perplexed about the relationship it does require. According to 1 John 1, 9, if any man sins, confess with your mouth and he will be faithful and just to cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. But you do not have to be punished because it has already been settled. Now, I'm gonna share something. Don't share this with the first service people. If you have any friends that came to the first service, don't tell them this because we're gonna do something in this service that we didn't do in the first service. Because during the first service, I had this idea. See, the ADD has blessings. That's why I say, don't pray for me. <laughs> Don't pray for me. I don't even know if it is ADD. It's, I think it's parallel thinking. Um, because I'm preaching this morning in the first service, and I'm talking about Jesus. And at the very same time, I'm thinking, man, I got this second service coming like five, in about a half hour. I got an idea that I want to implement in that second service while I'm preaching to the first service. So you guys are getting the da-da-da. <laughs> Let me introduce it. Deep down inside, what Frankie Mazapika desires most from the cross. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that no man knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. And is that Spirit that is inside of us so we may know his thoughts. Here's my dream. You want to know my dream? My first one didn't work out. It was to play NBA basketball. That didn't happen. But here's the real dream. To be able to live my life in such a way that the Holy Spirit whispers the thoughts of God into my ears. Whispers his thoughts. Do you know that's the desire of God is to whisper the thoughts. He became sin so that he could have that kind of relationship with you. Now watch this. If you and I were to be able to live our life and hear the whisper of God, you're looking at a person in a meeting and you understand where they're coming from because God showed you something about them. 
the Lord comforts you, your whole life changes. I'm going to show you a video right now. I'd like to, to, to bring the slides down just for a minute. And this is the part that I didn't show in the first service. Um, I saw a video recently of people who were deaf and these scientists spent a lot of time coming up with a way to where they could hear. And so what you're about to see are people, children and adults who have heard for the first time in their life. Take a look at this. Okay, so we're gonna turn the input on. She's gonna hear something. We don't really know what. It may just be kind of noisy, maybe kind of staticky, but we'll just see what she says. And then you're just gonna hear some beeping noises. Your implant got hit pretty well. Alright. <laughs> it's like so close. <laughs> Would you come up here real quick, please? I want you to hold this locket and just let it dangle in front of you. In this locket, see, none of this was in the first service. I just, I feel like God put this in this service just for you, okay? I don't know who it is. It's not for all of you, but it's for somebody. In this locket, it's the face of Jesus Christ, okay? And if you can ever block out the whole world around you, you'll be able to hear his voice. Not out loud like you're hearing mine. You'll hear it right here, okay? 
Now watch this. Hold it out right here. Just look forward. The Bible says that the enemy, he comes and he causes the cares of this world to choke the seed, which is the word of God, that is inside of us. And so this is what's happening. While your spirit is gravitating towards wanting to hear the word from God, the Bible says that when he made you in Ecclesiastes, that he set before, he, he put into your heart eternity. So if you don't come to church for 10 years straight, you can't not think about it. It's in there. It's in there. You can't stop thinking about it. It's in your heart. It just keeps coming to your mind. You can't help it. And so what the enemy does to keep you from wanting to hear his voice and to be close to him is it's just constantly throwing things just throwing things. It's almost like, it's, it's just, I'm so far off my notes now, I might as well just use it as an illustration. It, it <laughs> the enemy takes it and just throws these things at you into where, see how he's looking at me? This is what's taking place. Do you see what's happening? He's looking at me like I've lost my mind, right? And you will look at everything like people and things and situations have lost their mind all along. That's the goal of the enemy. But when those people heard for the first time, some of them heard, had both ears stopped, one of, some of them just had one ear stopped. When they heard for the first time, did you see them come alive? And that was just the voice of a nurse who's getting paid $19.50 an hour. What if God, the creator of the universe, that threw stars in the sky and threw planets in the sky and said, on your mark, get set, go, and time started. What if he said, I love you, and you heard it for the first time, and your whole life was like that? That's why he went through the garden, that's why he went to the cross. And now I want to tell you for two minutes about the grave. You can have a seat, Charles. There's a scripture in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. It says, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, the rock split. This is when Jesus came back to life. Now watch this, this is about to blow your minds. So hold it, <laughs> here it comes. Are you guys ready? Look at the screens, verse 52. And the graves, I'm not an English major, but S means plural. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, Jesus, they went to the holy city and appeared to many. So when Jesus came out, other people came alive as well. 
Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on how a physical person comes back to life because that's a little bit above my pay grade. But what I do want to (laughs) say... What what I do want to say is that there's a principle here. When Jesus conquered death, souls that were dead come alive. I want to say this, for if there's anyone in here, if there's anyone in here, if there's a part of you that you scare you, and what I mean by that, you scare you, meaning you love Jesus. If I were to cut you open and look inside and look at your heart with a magnifying glass, you love Jesus, but your level of passion is not as high as you wish it was. The good news is, is that it is, it's impossible for you to take your finger and put it on the passion button and go, And all of a sudden, yeah, I love Jesus. You can't do that. But what you can do is say, Jesus, I want you to give me a new heart. And in Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will give you a new heart. In other words, this heart right here, it's not even good. Have you ever needed new tires on your car, but you didn't want to spend the money on the tires? And you're like, is there any way we can rotate them? And they're like, dude, it's bald. (laughs) So what does that mean? (laughs) And the guy goes, look, dude, you got to throw these away. And then imagine this. Look, I'm just going to give you new ones. You can't fix these tires. Our hearts, your heart, my heart, you can't fix them. So he just takes it out and puts in a new one. He takes, the Bible says that he will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And that's why, have you ever seen somebody who's a a Christian and they love Jesus, but you knew them in high school? I had a, a girl come walking in our church last year and she sat right there in the back and I didn't recognize her. We've, we've grown up. And I went back there and introduced myself. I said, welcome to Celebration Church. She goes, Frankie, don't you say welcome Celebration Church. I went, oh my goodness. I know that voice. And she goes, I knew the Frankie before the pastor Frankie. And so I looked at our ushers. I said, will you please escort this lady out of the building? And it's the truth. Because the me then and the me now New heart, new spirit, totally different person. And there's times where I say, God, I need you to do that again. My brother Jonathan um, shot, edited, and produced a video using some actors in our church. And uh, I, I feel like that that four minute video that you're about to watch takes my whole sermon and even brings an an atomic impact to it. Why don't you take a look at this, please?
does love look like? Is the question I've been pondering. What does love look like? What does love look like? Is the question I've been asking of you. Just a chance. I even thought that love was for the lucky and the beautiful. I once believed that love was a momentary bliss, but love is more than this. All you ever wanted was my attention. All you ever wanted was love from me. All you ever wanted was my affection to sit here. At your feet, then tell me, what does love look like? Is the question I've been pondering. What does love look like? If all of life comes down to love, then tell me, what does love look like? Is the question I've been asking. Selfishness or selfish gain. Then I saw him there, hanging on a tree, looking at me. I saw him there, hanging on a tree, looking at me. He was looking at me, looking at him, staring through me. We.